and for the thousands in attendance and the millions of people that wish they were sitting in front of my bar at the moment, welcome to the fourth episode of At The Bar with Yo Adrian, where I explore the lives and times of some really interesting people. And they don't get more interesting than this gentleman. All I have to say, he's one of the dearest, my dearest friend indeed. His name's Troy Ruglis. He's the director, the CEO of PSG Holdings, which is a construction business and service company. Troy, how you going, brother? Hello, brother. How are you, Aid? Good. Very, very well, mate. Very, very well. That's the way, mate. Now, we're going to start on a sad note because this podcast was actually delayed. A dear friend of ours passed away. We went to school with him. His name is Shane Senior. We're going to raise a toast and have a drink in memory of uh, Shane. So I've got this vodka ready, which is the Zabroka vodka. And there's my Shivas Regal. To Shane, to Shane, we love you. Love you, brother. And we'll never forget you. Cheers, mate. Yep, there's Shane there. Very, very dear friend of ours. Went to school with him, played football. Incredible personality. Great fella. And as I said, we'll never forget you. Call out to his children out there. Baxter, Austin and Tilly. We're always thinking of you. As well as Marnie. Cheers. Cheers. Let's get back to uh, the podcast. Now, for the listeners out there, Troy's PSG Holdings Company, after a decade of business, is now a leader in its field of construction and building services, driving forward Indigenous employment and representation. Great models like Troy influence the next generation of Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth. Now, Troy, did you always have an inner belief and desire to succeed and say you could motivate other Indigenous people like yourself? The blunt answer is probably no. When I, was a, when I was younger, I suppose that was built up in me as I started to understand more about uh, my grandfather's life and mm-hmm. what, what being in uh, Wiradjuri, Torres Strait Islander man, what he went through. Yeah, very different to now. So it was a lot harder, a lot tougher. So um, no, it wasn't. It was instilled in me after I started to understand what they'd been through. And, you know, like we said, when we were younger... We uh, played footy and we done yeah. things just, you know, we just what we did. So it was sort of, you know, starting to understand who I am as a person and what, what my family had been through and what, what now is, is just and and worthy of, of um, you know, respecting him and my mum and as um, you know, the true custodians of this land now. So, yeah, it was um, something that I worked on after understanding. Uh, the hardships that were were you know, fell upon my grandfather and and to an extent my mum. Yeah. Now I've known you for forty years, and um, in that time, one thing that I can honestly say, you've always had this. It's an attribute which not many people have got. You've got it. You can charm anyone. Whether that's <laughs> true. <laughs> whether regardless of your race. Someone's gender, yep. race, creed, colour, even sexual preference, yep. right? People just feel comfortable around you, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's always been that way. You don't go out of your way to try and be some, someone you're not. No. You know, if people don't take you the way you are, you don't give a shit. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. There's always been this casualness about you. Yep. People love you. Now, has that attribute helped you in your efforts to build your business through reconciliation and drive for justice for the Indigenous people? Ah, yes. Yeah, I suppose it's um, part of anything. If if people like you, 
it's easier to work, do yeah. things with people that you like. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, grew up a lot of time in your house too mm. as a kid and, you know, admired your father and your yeah. mother and them too. They, he also had that attribute, you know. Yeah. Your dad was a charmer. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not about, it's just who you are. And yeah. when, he, when, when he was in a good mood, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was, a, you were drawn to your dad, Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, um it's just accepting people for who they are. Yeah. And everyone's different. It yeah. doesn't mean you don't like them because they're different. That's what makes the world a good place, you know. People are, are different and it's it's that should be a beautiful thing, you know what I mean? Accepting people for who they are and and working together. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to agree on, on things with business and stuff, but if you've got the respect of someone and they've got respect for you, you can sit down, you can always work. 99% of the time you can work it out and that's what it is, just communicating and, and respecting uh, the other party and, and, and doing a good job in business and yeah. that's how you go, that's how we roll. And, you know, we have got our, you know, we've got certain things with our business that we don't waver on and I won't do business with people that don't want to do what we want to do in the Indigenous community with engagement with indigenous businesses, yep. employment outcomes, you know, I'm not, I sit here and I say it to anyone, if there's a opportunity for an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander person to get a job with us over someone else, he's getting it. Yeah. So 250 years, this is what I say to people, they say, oh, it's, you know, indigenous businesses are getting, you know, I said, no, we're not. We're trying to get the same opportunity you've had for 250 yeah. years. It's been uneven, It's all about equality. Yes. It's about yeah. having the same, same playing on the same level playing field. Mm. And until we get there, which we are, we're still not there, a long way to go, mm. but heading in the right direction, then, then we can all um, take the gloves off and, and, and play with a straight bat and um, you know, tender on jobs when we are at the same, same level. So. It's funny because when you, when you mentioned the equality, I remember as a kid, normally be, I think it was a Saturday night, we'd be sitting down and you'd be going, oh, let's put on a movie, Adrian. We'd either watch the same movie over a hundred times, it'd, it'd normally be, uh, what, how many times have we watched The Wanderers? Oh, a thousand. A thousand <laughs> times? Yeah. And obviously a gentleman, probably about, yeah. on that Midnight Express. Yeah, yeah. Three thousand times. that. <laughs> Slight exaggeration there, but probably about you'd say about twenty times, yeah. something like that. But I remember as a teenager, you would sit, you'd sit down, and we'd put these um, one thing that you'd never fall asleep on. Because most of the time, I'd put a movie on, I'd look at you, and I'd go, Troy, what do you think of this? And you'd be sleeping. I'm going, prick. So you doing falling asleep? Just put this movie on, right? Yeah. You'd never stay awake because you were a, such a busy, active kid. You were doing everything, football training or yeah. playing football Monday to Friday. Yeah. But I do remember you sitting down and one big interest you had was anything to do with Muhammad Ali mm. documentaries. Yep. And when he'd, when he'd talk about injustices towards the black man, mm. your face would sort of light up mm. and, you, and, and you really concentrate on every word he said. He spoke about, you know, pride and being a black man and also remember that, I remember that look, that sadness and concentration mm. in your eyes whenever the Afro-American leader Malcolm X yep. used to speak too about his civil rights and the injustices with the black man. Mm. Now, in saying that, were they your first motivational role models for the pursuit of desiring, you know, the, those ideologies regardless of a person's skin colour or was it an indigenous role model like your Charles Perkins or your mm. Eddie Marbo which inspired you? 
I suppose watching, you know, Arlene, it hit a raw nerve because mm. it's it actually happened here mm. as well, you know, like to, you know, the same extent that people mm. sort of look at America and look at the civil rights movements and all that, but actually happened in our own backyard, mm. you know, like you had things like, you know, my grandfather's stolen generation. Mm. Like, could you imagine someone taking one of your kids away? It mm. wasn't one, it was five. Yeah. Never see him again. Yeah. So my grandfather had six brothers and sisters that we never knew. He never knew. Yeah. So that's six or seven people that had kids. They're my mum's cousins that she doesn't know mm. and will never know. Not many people would know about that, eh? Or they just... That's right. It's... I, I don't think people um, out there just, you know, choose to ignore it. They're just not educated about know. it. Well, if they did, If they did know about it, you know, they'd have, they'd have a is different... That a, is, what, perception on is things. it a federal is that a government thing that they've suppressed and don't want people to know mm. i don't know because so i wasn't i wasn't that much aware no. of it i heard about the stolen generation but yeah. until you told me exactly mm. what happened yeah i was like the fuck well, you know people you know a lot of indigenous mm. it was just aboriginal and torres strait Island people went to war mm. come back like my grandfather and yeah. went allowed in the RSL clubs. You're not allowed in pub. This not that long ago. Mm. Talking two generations ago. You know, different coloured bubblers like in Parramatta where he lived. You know, my nan could go in. She's my hero. So that happened here in Australia. Yes. Yes. So my nan. That's what I say. My nan was white. Yeah. Mate, she was my hero. You love Bond. Yeah. yeah. She actually had the courage to have kids with a. Aboriginal Torres Strait at that time, you know, she was persecuted. Her own family wiped her. Mm. Like her dad and mum wouldn't talk That's to her. That's the black joke you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nan married, had kids with mm. Jake and, um, of course, he was Aboriginal Torres Strait. The, my Nan's father, so my great-grandfather on the white side, mm. just barred my... Didn't go the, wouldn't go to the wedding because of his colour of his skin. Far out. Yeah. Well, so my family's completely. I've got white and black. My mum's, my grandmother's white on mm. my mum's side, you know, Bond. But like to do what she done at that at that time and mm. was, you know. So those ideologies we're talking about, you you're in search for a fair fair ideology, especially when you opened up this business. You thought to yourself, you know what? The Aboriginal people out there in my community, I know they're not going to get the same fair crack that everyone else gets. So yep. if I open up a business yep. and I've got a bit of influence, yep. I know that I've done well. I mean, you've yep. done, you've achieved a lot of things mm. and you probably thought to yourself, you know what? If I can do it, they can do it too. Oh, mate, well, it's just not about one or two Indigenous businesses doing well. Mm. It's about the whole Indigenous business sector doing well. Yeah. So, you know... You'll find within our business that we employ more Indigenous people. Sometimes, you know, we've got close to 200 staff. Yep. Our Indigenous employment ranges from 25 to 45%. That's nearly 100 people. Mm. Like, you look at the major corporates here in Australia who employ, I've seen one, I won't mention it. Yeah. They've got 25,000 employees in Australia and they've got two Indigenous employees. Wow. You know, so figures tell you and show you that an Indigenous business is a hundred times more likely to employ Indigenous people and mm. engage Indigenous businesses. We've had jobs. So the Indigenous procurement policy yeah. 
sits at about, they want 3% engagement. So when we're the head contractor of a, of a, of a, of a um, contract, when we're running the show, we sometimes can hit 50%. So, mm. you know, the non-Indigenous businesses aim for three, we do 50, yeah. you know, and not because we have to, we just do it. We want to do it. You mm. know, they do it because they have to do it sometimes, you know. So, But what we try and do is find the right business to work with that has got people within that business that yep. have empathy and, and think it's the right thing to do. Yep. That's who I like working with, people that want to do it because they want to do it, not because there's a policy in place. They really want to do it because they understand, you know, the does impact it, it has. Does it depend on the government at the time? Is it, like the, is it the Labor or the Liberal government more favourable towards I, I, your cause? I think it depends. Yeah, it does, but it's, it's, it's a policy that's in place. It's not going away. It's only going to get stronger. Mm-hmm which is a good thing, you yep. know, but eventually love to see that that policy's out the window and we are playing on that level playing mm. field. That's the whole Regardless idea. of which yeah. political parties. Well, in. that's the whole idea of the policy is to build the Indigenous business sector up to the same level mm. so we can p- compete fairly. And you'll see, you, you know yourself, our business now wins work, not because we're in an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander business, so we do a great job. So I've got mm. fantastic people in my business you know, non-indigenous. And a special people. shout out. One of those fantastic uh, people happens to be my son, Joey. Yeah, Joey, he's great. So yeah, he he works for Troy, and um, he yeah. loves working for Troy. He says it's the best mm. working atmosphere you can you can ever imagine. Um, yep. He just he just loves going to work and working for Troy. Yeah, he does. He's done great, and he got awesome people there to help him as well you know yeah, Joey's just he mentioned that, out yeah. that and you've got some people there that look wouldn't work with me if they didn't have the same ideologies mm. you can't work in this business mm. if you don't want to do mm. what what i want it to do mm. and that's you know build that indigenous business sector you know and, and take everyone on mm. a run where we're at, where we are where we can um go and compete mm. you know with non-indigenous businesses without any fear of um us being a blackfellow business yeah Sorry. Look, we can't over- overlook, I should say, your humble beginnings as a kid from the eastern suburbs of Sydney. You had a black mum and a white dad, and you certainly weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Um, yeah, <laughs> def- sure. def- Definitely not. Yep. You're one of those kids that your mum provided very, very well for you, mm. uh, regardless, best, you yeah. know, your, yep. your dad played his role yeah, too he, yeah he's good he was uh he was one of these guys everyone loves gary he turned up to a lot of your football games and um whenever you needed advice mm. he was there and it was yep. always good advice yeah, he was definitely. a very very highly ranked fireman yep so you know he's no idiot no he's good did that give you that extra motivation to succeed coming from a uh you know like I wouldn't say underprivileged yeah. but someone that you know you oh, grew up in housing commission you grew up in housing commissions yep not again not to a certain level because you only know what you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, growing up in that environment was like, I didn't know any different. Mm. Um, and I always, like you said, I never went without anything. I always had my mum and dad, which were separated when I was 10, but they were always there. I never went without anything. So, yeah. You know, I always That's what I was saying. Never. Or whatever. Spikes. Whatever you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Your mum got for it. It was just where we lived, you know? And it's um, what it did do, like, you know, having friends like yourself, thinking, mm. oh, it's live in a house at Randwick it's Doubles great house you know I loved your joint everyone did you know yeah. great times there um, but I suppose as you get a little bit older and you you know you, you got your own kids and well I think as a parent 
you always want better for your kids. Mm. You had that extra incentive, didn't you? I did then. Yeah. I thought, well, you know, if you're going to provide, if you're going to have a family, try and provide the best best possible things you can. So mm. if you can do better than what you've had, I think that's good. And even if it's that much better, it means you're, yeah. you're, you're giving your kid that much more And it chance. also means you're, you're very successful. Yeah, that's, yeah, you know. That's it. But I didn't look at it as being successful. I looked at it as, you know, like providing for your kids. And, you know, I hope my kids, when they're parents they provide to their kids better than what i could do for them yeah you know what i mean that's well that's that's, that's how we, we all hope it goes yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope, yeah that's what you do hope you know but um so you can only do as much as you can do and you've got to let them go and do their own thing and they grow up and when they are having their kids i hope they um think the way we did you know so yeah yeah, it made a little bit difficult for myself, but when yeah. <laughs> my mum and dad oh, yeah. you know, already owned a couple of houses and whatever, yeah. by the time, you oh, know, they definitely. were in their sort of mid-30s and I was like, geez, and, you know, times times have changed. It has got a little bit tougher. Yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. But you've done extremely well, yeah, you know, it's like, different, it's fantastic. Different environment. Now, for those that don't know Troy outside his business persona, another great talent. And um, I always boast about this. He's, he's, he is humble. He's not one of these guys that goes around saying, oh, I'm the greatest footballer of all time. <laughs> so I'll speak on his behalf here. <laughs> Out of all the footballers I've seen, and I've watched many, many games, you know, three of my boys have played football. Crazy Roosters fan, as everyone knows. Troy's, Troy would have to be the best, best junior football I've ever seen. I remember when I played with him for Marcelin and we played a little bit of football together earlier on for a team called Brothers, which I don't think exists anymore. It's in the East Comp. But yeah, more so with Marcelin. He's the sort of guy that if you look, you're in the dressing room and you look across and you see Troy playing, he's about to you know play you like, you grow a third leg. And when he didn't play, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> we're going to struggle today. But yeah, he was... Exceptional football player. As a kid, he got all the, you know, the highest honours when it comes to rep football. Um, and I think by the time you're in year 11, you're already graded for the Roosters. If he, if he looks back on his football career in an honest manner, you'd probably think, he'd probably say that um, he could have went all the way through and could have been a, who knows, like a Brad Fittler or a Laurie, Laurie Daly, because he certainly had the talent. But he was a party animal. <laughs> he had a couple of um, injuries that set him back too. But um, doing so, he's... I remember he left Australia, went over, you played a bit of Super League, didn't you, for um, the, London the London Broncos. And during that um, time when he was playing for the Roosters, you met Arthur Beetson, very, very famous uh, Aboriginal mm. and immortal of the game. And there's yeah, good old Artie. Arthur there, a young oh, Arthur. Well, old Arthur Beetson there. <laughs> He's no longer with us anymore. He's certainly one of my great idols, yeah. along with uh, Rocky Marciano, the boxer. He really took you under his wing, mm. didn't he? Yeah, he did. I wish I listened to him. That's what <laughs> I say. You know, I, I love. But that what idea. can you tell us about those times? And I want you oh. to be—I want you to be frank and honest out there for yeah. all the um, kids out there that mm -hmm. aspiring to become rugby league players, and just tell yeah. them about the pit pitfalls because oh, yeah. I know there was a few pitfalls. Yeah, and you. it's a lot different back then to now. You're and also, I, I want you to. Tell everyone out there about the Jack Gibson incident, which I always find yeah, funny, yeah. that one. So there was, um, you know, you're talking 87, 88, um, different environment in football compared yeah. to now. No phones, no one taking photos of you. 
no one watching every everything you did. You know what I mean? So it was, you know, you used to get on the drink, play up, get away with things, and carry on. And that's what I did as sixteen and seventeen year old. You know, and um, didn't stop. You, know, you didn't stop. No. Well, that went, me and you had a restaurant, the old Spaggies, the famous <laughs> Spaggies in Randwick. He'd be working there, and then on a Friday night, after he's um, <laughs> been to training, and he'd come, he's he's worked in this in the restaurant for a couple of hours. He'd go, "I'm going out." Yeah, where are you going? <laughs> and he'd go to the uh, was it the Hellfire Club or oh, whatever. I'd go anywhere. <laughs> and he wouldn't come home. He'd be out till Monday. Be three days. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it's. Like I said, how did you? I mean, how could you play football and just? Oh, you can't. That's the thing. You suffer. You got to understand that. You know, you can't go out like that and play footy. Mm. You know, and that's now. If you've done that, you get sacked straight away. Mm. You no, know, I'm talking about. I remember the Jack Gibson incident was when he said, "Don't you're not playing? You've been out." I said, "No, I haven't." He said, "Yes, you have." Oh, because of the. I yeah. said, "I haven't." He said, "Well." <laughs> I had all the stamps from the nightclub on my out. Oh, but he said, well, what are they? I said, oh, okay, I've been <laughs> So, you know, but in saying that, it was a different time. Probably, you know, with football, I listened. My dad was a great player, you know, mm. playing first grade with Ray Price, rugby union when he was 17. And, you know, he was um, great. But my dad was a bit similar in the fact that to him it was only footy. It comes so natural for my dad. Yeah. And, you know, probably myself. Yeah. That you just played and you were good and you didn't think, I just thought I could play forever. Yeah. You know, and then you get injuries and you do a few silly things and then you get put on the back foot. And until I had that knee reconstruction, when yeah. I come back and I went to South, playing a bit of reserve grade and done my knee. Yeah. And we're still going out, by the way, being silly, but not as silly. Yeah. And then I could never recover. I could never play how I did. And that's when I sort of went, geez, what am I going to do? Like, I was actually taken away from you and something that you never thought would be. Because mm. at that time, I remember when you were playing for South, you were, on the ver you were playing reserve yeah. grade. Yep. I think you were the 5'8", and mm. Fields, he was the halfback. Mm. And it was at Leichhardt, we had a blinder in that game. <laughs> And you're just about to get called up for first grade and then Double tell knee. everyone what happened. Yeah, I'd done my knee. Mm. So I'd exploded and that's the end. That's it. You know, yeah. it's never the same. Couldn't run how I wanted to, but it's, um, I got in the fire brigade then. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say to you. Yeah. We, we can't, you know, complete this podcast without talking about the experience mm. in the fire brigade. And saying that, did that service time create a more disciplined lifestyle, which would later lay the foundations for you to be successful businessmen, because obviously, being a fireman, you got to be a little bit more disciplined. Yep. That was something that you admittedly lacked mm, yeah, earlier on, yep. right? So now you've got to polish your shoes, mm. you've got to cop shit off your superiors, you've got to listen to them at least. Well, you don't have to, but you right? Know. Yeah, but you know, yeah. you, <laughs> you got to make an attempt, yeah. right? And you were in there for quite, quite yeah. a few years. Yep, nearly twenty years. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a great job at the time. Look, it's it did. It gives you that structure, two days, two nights, but also too, it gives you a lot of time off to play up if you mm. want to do. But the structure of the five grade was good for me. I like that, knowing what I'm doing and, you know, days can do, you know, go surfing this day or need to work this day. And 
But what it did at the time, the fire brigade isn't great money. Yeah. Uh, it's a good lifestyle. And it's a great job. You're helping people. I like helping people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was in a fire station since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Mm. My dad was a fire station officer at Mascot for God knows how long, you know? So I've always been in fire stations too. And I love that. Like footy. I love that environment of being around the boys and now girls and yeah. having that team camaraderie and, and building, you know, building relationships that way. I like that. And that's the same as business. Mm. That's what we do here. You know what I mean? We're all mates. We all help each other and that's the same sort of thing. So that's what's carried over from all this is um, being able to do that. But, yeah, it definitely did. Gives you that little bit of structure that I needed. Mm. Um, and it was good. It was good for me. But I got to a stage where... You outgrew it, didn't you? Yeah, I thought, is this it, really? Like, And I don't even think it was a money thing. No, it wasn't. It was sort of... Look, things change in the fire brigade as well. Yeah. Not as many calls, more false alarms and... Mm. You know, you start to think... Oh, I joined the fire brigade, actually. You know, going to a fire is like playing footy. You get that buzz. All oh, right, okay we need to help people here and becomes can get hairy you know you mm. run into a fire you know so looking for people so it's sort of an adrenaline rush sort of environment as well you know uh not cut out for everyone mm. you know as well like football like business you know so um yeah so it's it did give me the structure that it needed and but it got to a stage where you know, you spend a lot more time at the station and more downtime and I'm starting to think, wow, it's, you know, I didn't really join the fireys for this. Mm. You had too much time too to much think time. about things. So yeah. I started a business, you know. Yeah. And only started a business to do something on my days off as I had kids. Needed, you know, a bit more income and started with my cousin, Shane, who we grew up with. And Yeah, call out to Shane, Shane Jacobs. Yeah. Grew up, you know, two days apart. We've done everything together. So mm. you know, as soon as I think about doing something, he's the first bloke. I'm yeah. the same as him, you know. So it's yeah. just how it is. And um, we started this, and like I said, then we stumbled upon the um, was the time was the IBE. We started mm. construction. Another mate of ours come along, Mark Coleman, um, who we grew up with. He played south. He's Lugger and his brother's Tugger and. We've grown up knowing Mark, and he was in construction, played footy with us, and great bloke too, awesome, mm. you know. And he's um, you know, grew up in Redfern, so yeah. we know he's grown up with Aboriginal people his whole life, you mm. know. And he doesn't see the colour either, so it's great, yeah. you know. He's actually his daughter's Indigenous, so yeah. um, perfect fit, mm. great bloke, friend. I like working with friends. You know, yeah. people go, don't mix friendship with business rather work with a friend i know what they're like yeah i know they're going to give me what i'm going to give them 100 percent. Sure. you can trust yeah. them you know i trust people you know and that's what it's about you've got to trust people mm. you know so that's how it is all right now i conclude all my episodes with this question all right if you had divine power so you change anything about yourself yep what would it be change anything what would I change? What would I change? Probably as a young bloke, my discipline. Yeah. Okay, which, yeah, you know, has changed now. You know what I mean? And that's why 
you know, you work out why things, what have I changed to make things work? It's that. Yeah. It's easy, you know. So for kids out there that, you know, if you want to do something, there's a payoff. You have to be disciplined at what you're doing, you know. Give up some things. But in saying that, your discipline improved yep. Yep. as you got older. Yeah. So yeah, something true. you'd like to change okay. about yourself right at this moment. Right at this moment? Yeah. Can I drop 20 kilos? <laughs> 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 and get me looks back. <laughs> no, you're still a good-looking bloke. You know what? It was a nightmare going out with this guy when we were growing up because, oh, in a way, it was pretty good too because if there was two or three shearlers that you had your eye on, you can rest ashore, they were going in his direction. But if you missed out, right? Oh, the good old days. You know... <laughs> It also pull a lot in his direction. So if you're hanging around a bit, <laughs> you know, you'd come no. up trumps too. <laughs> no, anyway, no. mate, it's been great talking to you, Troy. Thanks, brother. I can't shake with that anyway. That's all right. He's, he's, got, he's, he's got a sore shoulder at the moment. <laughs> um, we're going to end on a, on a positive note now. So we know that, you know, things that he wants to change about himself, which means if he can change, then I can change means you can change so until our next podcast remember i always say this treat people as you would like to be treated yourself but don't take any shit from anybody <laughs> till next time see you later guys see you later thanks thanks see ya. Egg. you're all right mate